Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome again to another fabulous episode of Tales from the Crew. I don't know if that's any good enough, but we'll try to go with it anyway. Um, we have a very special guest today, Sage Griffin, who is not only a great friend of mine, but uh, what my go-to collaborator when it comes to anything art or making uh, awesome films, TV, online content, you name it, she <laughs> takes it to the next level. And I'm so happy that you were able to make it today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on the show with you. Uh, well, awesome. Well, I'm excited to have you here. And, you know, we wanted to talk about um, some of the projects you work on, but also kind of get into, like, you know, the process of uh, making or, or, you know, your approach in terms of uh, production design or, or uh, overseeing an art department. So, totally, you know, when yeah. you're getting into, you know, your pitch the script, run on the job, and, you know, what are the steps you take and sort of that sort of stuff and, you know, what's your, your passion within that? Yeah, well, that's the best, honestly, that's my favorite part about it is the, it's all of the pre- pre-work that goes into the actual execution of it. I love, I love just like getting the script, figuring out what the tone is overall. And it's kind of fun to brainstorm it on your own and then like run it past the creatives, like the director and see like if you guys are on the same page. And I've noticed that like the best time, the best projects are the ones that when you read through it and you come up with like your idea of the tone and it in lines with the director's idea of the tone, that usually is like the best because you're already on the same page to begin with. So you don't have to even get on the same page. You're already there, you know, which uh, is really nice. So, yeah. So even, especially I'm sure working with like a first time, like working with a director for the first time. Yes. Not only yeah. exactly what that expectation is, but then to know that you guys are both on, in line. Yeah. It's like clicking, you know? It's like clicking. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's almost like a first date where you're like, we click. Like, we vibe as people, but on a creative level. It's like but creative I, dating. I'm sure that could go really bad, too. Oh, yeah. On it some could, levels. Yeah. Have you ever had that experience where, like, you're like, oh, man, I got this great idea on the direction. The director's like, are you crazy? Yeah, no, that yeah. happens all the time. Like, <laughs> it, well, because, you know, people, humans have various opinions on everything, you know? So your point of view is not necessarily the same point of view as someone else. And it kind of, one of my teachers in school used to say, like, it's not the loudest opinion in the room, it's just the strongest that matters. So it's like, when you are conflicting creatively with someone, nine times out of 10, like, depending on who it is you're working with, if you don't know them that well, you kind of just like, have to fall into place with what they want, because they have more writing on it, you know, so even if you think it's a dumb idea, because there have been times where I'm like, well, that's stupid you know <laughs> but I'm like but you know you're it's your project so I'm gonna go with whatever you think right and I think that's one of the things that you know keeps uh the process of filmmaking alive it's just like the uh everyone sort of understands that there's like a hierarchy mm -hmm. involved and if you're like you know I can't do this fucking idea and you have to walk away over you know creative differences which sucks yeah but for the most part it's finding that way to fall in line or connect on something and you know understand the director or the executive producer kind of has the, the grand global vision and how can you work within their frame to make 
you know, their idea work, which in a way you feel proud of. Or yeah, like, you know. totally. And that's where sometimes, and I think, I think sometimes it does come to the point where when it reaches that point where you no longer can bend and meet in a middle ground, it does just kind of become a money job where you're like, I'm just doing this as a job. But usually it doesn't get to that point. Usually you can find a middle ground of like, because ultimately the best directors are the ones who have like the strongest vision, but also are like open to collaborative, like criticism where they're like, oh yeah, actually maybe that is better. Like, or maybe we should go this direction with it, you know? Well, that, that's the general hope yeah. is that, you know, uh, they have an idea or she has an idea for what they want and you can kind of come in and make it tangible and say, mm -hmm. well, with the amount of money we're working with, here's an option to pull that off. Yeah. And so, you know, it's been such a blessing that I've been able to work with you on the projects we've had, we have worked on because you're, you're always so busy and it's hard to lock you in. And so uh, when you are available, it's like, yes, thank God. I know that like the look and the feel of it are going to be absolutely covered. Oh, and I don't thanks. have to worry yeah. about things because I know yeah. it's going to be better than anything I can ever hope for. Yeah. And so, but I think one of those things that is more important that we can count on you or, you know, you can be counted on to deliver the, the vision, um, the best way that, you know, the, the, team of people making it or want it to be made can, yeah. can achieve it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's bringing in the enthusiasm about your job. Usually, like, the stakes are, with design, I feel like the stakes aren't as high for a lot of, of the other creatives involved. So if your enthusiasm comes in, like, generally speaking, it's like, oh, yeah, let's snowball off this idea. Just go with this look or go with this, like, this reference. And especially if, like, maybe they didn't, they haven't necessarily thought the design through as much as I have, but that is why they hire me to come in and design it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's in order to create a look. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, and within that process, do you always, sometimes, never create like a lookbook or is it, you know, only when people ask for it? Oh, I, well, I prefer creating a lookbook. Um, like I prefer pulling photos, uh, pulling set deck ideas and compiling it all together just because I think it makes like a clear outline for and there is there's less confusion um so even if it's not if it's a time crunch I still do try to like put something together so we're on the same page visually because it is kind of hard to like conceptualize a look verbally you kind of have to have something to show people in order to yeah because that's yeah. always the challenge is uh articulating thoughts uh you know whether it be the director articulating thoughts from what they want uh to you articulating a vision for what you know you think will work within the scope of the project yeah and so i guess spending that time putting together like pictures and a, a lookbook can kind of quickly get on the same page it's worth it it's worth it because it yeah. takes away so much of the footwork that you because I've been in positions where I'm like, well, I, I don't think we have time to do a lookbook. Or, and then ultimately... Yeah, it yeah. always seems so laborious. So yeah. I never ask for lookbooks. Yeah. I always think, uh, you know... Well, because it takes time. It takes a lot of time to make them. It, takes, it can take a couple days sometimes. Yeah, and if you're, yeah. if you're getting paid on prep to spend yeah. a whole day of prep doing a lookbook, it feels like, how is that serving the production? But it, in a way, but it, is. it saves yeah. a lot of time. It saves so much time because yeah. if you don't do that work then later down the line, there, so many more problems arise. It, it kind of all comes down to like communication. When you're not properly communicating, 
in any field in film, well, in life, really, <laughs> then that's when things start to go awry. But that's an ongoing yeah. theme with this podcast, yeah. is the, the importance of communication, or having a line of communication uh, in pre-production. Yeah. Oh, Establishing that. Yeah. yeah. Unless that's you're right. an actor, of course. You know. Unless you're an actor. <laughs> we don't talk to them. Yeah, we don't talk to them, they show up. <laughs> you're the face, okay? <laughs> Let the adults talk. Yeah. <laughs> But no, so I think that's so crucial to that you do a lookbook and really identify what you, you know what your plan is and if yeah. that coincides with the the plan the filmmaking plan. Yeah, 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 and that's where that's where the buzz comes from. The excitement is when you are on the same page creatively with the rest of the creative team, and that like just blossoms like this buzzy feeling of like you're just in it, and it's like a real connection, and that's the best part. And I think that all starts from the really early days of prep, doing lookbooks, like putting in the footwork, finding references. Because tonally speaking, most movies nowadays, and most directors and creatives I know, are totally 100% willing to say, yeah, I'm pulling creatively from this look because essentially almost every look has in a way been done before. Yeah. You know, so if you kind of do have to like pull from what you know, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's a it's an interesting comment. It just, you know, you're not necessarily pulling from what you know, but you're able to reference things so yeah. that you kind of identify what that look is. Yeah. You know. And I think that's like the best part about design is I'm a big believer in aestheticism, like art for art purposes. Um and like I think design lends itself to that concept because the design can have character notes in it, but ultimately it's a look, you know? It doesn't have a broader meaning, it's a look. And that, I think, as an art form, withstands time, because everyone likes aestheticism, you know? Like, everyone likes something to look good. So if you can look at a movie and just say, like, this movie looks the way I want my movie to look, you can pull from that and just kind of build off of it, you know? It's yeah. less like a story that has to really be unique and freestanding, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. And you can change things, you know, if it doesn't work, you can have another reference with a different tone and then, yeah. yeah, keep trying different things until you really land on it. Because that's sort of the foundational element for art. And then you bring in the team and you start executing on that vision yeah. scene by scene. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's like, that's the fun. It's finding, it's finding a baseline and then taking the story and adding the story notes into the design, which is really fun that's kind of where set decoration comes in is you kind of build a tonal look and then you start building off that to be like what well, can i add to this room to really sell this character lives here you know mm -hmm. or these people actually live in this house and i personally love horror because of that because i think that horror is so design oriented you know like the worlds that you live in in horror films are basically make the movie in a lot of ways, the costumes, the looks. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and an example of that that comes to mind was uh, Keep Out, the Netflix short that we, we both worked on. Um, the As a producer, you know, I, I had to do a deal with the location owner and work that out, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know... Foundationally, the location was awesome. It was you know, awesome. Was and then like, we trashed it. And then Sage came in and just didn't even trash it. She was like beyond trashing it. Um, you know, it was a, an abandoned house that a pharmaceutical magnet, you know, who was testing out his kid, running tests on his kid, was, is a storyline. 
And the kid apparently turned into this like monster and now lived in this abandoned house that these kids broke into to check out. So we wanted to give this already creepy house this abandoned feel, but then Sage came in and took it to like the next level. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun one though. That was so fun. Cause you're right, the bones of that location were so good. That, that location fantastic. was beautiful. Yeah. It was a beautiful location. But how do you make it abandoned? Well, that's, that's the fun thing about horror is it's essentially, you're just like, how can I make this as awful as possible? And, and that, that's what we did. We just, I pretty much was like, well, let's just get a ton of leaves and moss. Uh, and a ton <laughs> is like an understatement. I got like five trash bags of leaves that like I five got. five trucks of leaves. Yeah. And just was like, well, because the it's like this house is just so good, like already looks old. It had like beautiful old furniture the walls were like weathered wood it was great but like it didn't look abandoned and i think the best way to make a place look abandoned is make it look like the windows are shot the doors are open like the elements have gotten to it so I, in my mind i was like well we could just use the essential like small elements because we were on a budget so that's the first thing is we were on a pretty tight budget so i was like well how can we execute this with the least cost and I was like, well, leaves and spiderwebs and dust and moss, and that's what we did, and we just kind of just wrecked the house. But there was a mo there's a moment where they walk in the house, and they see the house is like an establishing shot, and you see, like, just the leaves on the ground, on the floor, yeah. and the moss hanging, and we smoke the room out with yeah. fog, and it just had this incredible sense of just... Uh, spooky abandoned yeah it felt abandoned it That's felt for super sure. abandoned it felt abandoned yeah. yeah and i got to pull out my trusty webcaster gun which is my favorite it's the thing that shoots like super glue to make spider webs oh wow yeah that's that, pretty awesome yeah and i love using it because it because it's not like the you know the hokey halloween cobwebs that are like made of cotton it's like actually small strings of glue so it looks realistic like a real spider web it's really yeah cool. when light hits it in it has a like it like glistens a little it glistens yeah. a little yeah, yeah. oh wow yeah. that's yeah, really, really cool. cool yeah i'll check that. that out next time <laughs> yeah well if you watch it in, uh if you watch keep out it's like right in that first shot the entry shot when they walk past the table and that was the other cool thing was hiding the little easter eggs of like the pharmaceutical company and then oh, like right, the East, the, yeah. yeah like pill bottles and all of that and then um it was for Crypt TV, so we did the Easter eggs throughout the set decoration, like little little things from Indicators other Crypt TVs. Indicators from other shows. Yeah, which yeah. was really fun to yeah. add those into the in the. Universe. Which work with Crypt TV, that's another really fun challenge because they really encourage you incorporating like some of their other shows or into that. So I'm sure as like a design element, it kind of adds another layer of what's possible. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I think that with Crypt, from the very beginning of us working with them and us doing their shorts, uh, they were big on the Easter egg thing, but they, they were, the cool thing was that they allowed me to figure out fun ways to incorporate the Easter eggs. Like they had the criteria of we want the Easter eggs, but you can figure out how you're going to do it. So that was fun. Yeah. 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 Um, that was a, that was a crazy project and one of those things that just happened really quickly. Um, but it's still amazing to see how, you know, a big concern of mine was, you know, from a budget standpoint, um, then getting out because it's a night shoot. So... <laughs> you can get out of location? And so, you know, wrapping out a location without going into OT overtime with the location or overtime with the crew and then 
the next morning uh, was the first time I had like full focus on what we actually did to the place. And, you know, it took a while to At get the lights out. 5 a.m., the, light, the lights are on, you're like, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> but what I can respect is the fact that you don't give a shit about that. You give a shit about making a kick-ass fucking series. Well, yeah. Not about being yeah. considerate, because if yeah. you're considerate, you make a considerably boring movie, I think. 100%. And so I yeah. really respect that you're like, well, I appreciate it. It's going to be a pain in the ass to clean this up. I'll give a fuck. Yeah, well, you have to, like... <laughs> Drop the leaves. Yeah, <laughs> it's like risk-taking. You have to take the risks necessary to pull it off. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like the same thing as, like, walking into a location that you look in the script and the location's described one way and then you walk into the scout and the location you're in is does not lend itself to that environment at all and so as a designer you need to speak up and say you know this isn't gonna work we need a different location or or we might have to trash this location yeah you know? yeah and I think a lot of times you know it's like you know in our relationship you've kind of held my hand through this experience of like I don't think this is a good idea. I think this is a little bit much. And, and it's like you're constantly uh, not selling the idea, but um, um, committing to the fact that we need to take it to this next level. To yeah. really go above and beyond. Yeah. And even though there's inherent risk with doing that with maybe damaging property or with uh, having a longer time to get out, you know, it's like we really, you know, if you want it to be good. Yeah, if I think you want it to be good. I think that's yeah. your disruptor to me is you're yeah. like, well, if you want it to be good. If you want it to be good, if you want it to look good, this is what we have to do. Yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you this in comparison. I've worked with other production designers who will only work with, like, you know, what they're given with the amount of time and it's a money job. And you kind of feel that sense of like um god i wish there was uh you know more that i could more resources more money more time that i could offer but you know i think really uh and the, and the truth is like it's upsetting when they don't do it but it's like i can't be upset because it's all we can give it yeah but, yeah but it's so nice when uh when you know you're really passionate about it you say okay this is what i've got we'll do the best we can with this five dollars for the whole feature yeah you know? and, no totally um, and i think that attitude um you know is so helpful as a you know, with like you know producing a movie it's helpful with that attitude but um it you know really sets the tone for the entire movie in a weird way it's like uh everyone is uh so just profoundly inspired by art that it's like with lighting with uh actors getting into character with really um you know, seeing what's possible in terms of the world, yeah. you actually see that world, it really takes it up another level. So if you're doing just like a, a subpar job, then I feel like the rest of the set kind of follows in route. I 100% agree. I think it's like, I, it's like the blueprints of a, of a film. Like art is the blueprint, you know, like there's all these other elements you're going to build off of it. Like you have the foundation, you have the walls, you have what's inside the walls, but like to execute a look and like have it have people live inside an environment like it it does need to be there or else everything else kind of fails to enhance like at most really good dps i know they'll say well i can't do my job unless you've done your job well pretty much pretty because much. i can't shoot you know if i walk in i can have the nicest camera in the world but if i'm shooting a right a white room it's just a white room it's just yeah. a white room and yeah. that's all people are going to notice yeah 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 yeah, I've, I've definitely had a couple experiences where, like, I think when I first started out, this one production designer was amazing. Uh, 
he only used found materials. Really? So on set, he was yeah. just like, oh, there's a, a tire. Oh, <laughs> and my gosh, set. yeah. And, he, and it was like, you know, my I think my second project ever, you know, doing it. And I was like so massively disappointed, but I didn't really understand what art department was. And so from there, I knew that it had to be better than that. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and so, you know, I, and I didn't go to film school, so I, I kind of learned along the way with uh, with working with department heads, and so I, I kind of get educated on the right way, the wrong way to do things, and you know, and it's putting me in a position where I, I look at myself as a producer, just simply as a resource for you know uh, for the crew. Yeah. And you know, yeah. uh, you tell me what you need to make this work, and I'll tell you what I can do, and that's really you know. And I think that's the best point that you're making right now is that so often people will find themselves like complaining or even I've, I'm not, I'm guilty of doing this before of being like, well, I'm not getting what I need to execute this. And, but the thing is, it's like, well, did you ever ask for it? Or did you ever say that you couldn't do it without it? Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. did you ever bring it up? Because, right. and it's hard a lot to keep track of, but ultimately I think it comes out to the communication thing if you're saying like, hey, like. This is actually dire. Like, because I'm scrappy. I am a scrappy designer. I will, like, I pull a lot of stops to, because I take so much pride in the way something's going to look that it's, and if I have very little money to work with, like, I'm going to do what I can. But there's times, of course, where things come up where it's like, well, we just can't do that, you know? It's going to look ridiculous. Even yeah. if you try your hardest, your yeah. hardest is going to look like crap because yeah. it's so insurmountable. Yeah, and yeah. that, and then so you got to speak up, and that's like when, if you have a small budget and the location is, not even at like a ten, and you need it at a twenty, and you're like, hey, we can't afford. Yeah, the to film is reliant yeah. on that. Yeah. yeah, and it's so crucial for you to to say that so yeah. instead of saying, well, that's all the money I had. Yeah, or be like, oh yeah, I guess we can work with this, and then later down the line, be like, oh, we can't work with this. It's like, well, you have to think your answers. And it's kind of on you because if you said you can, and then it looks and then like can't. crap, yeah. then yeah, yeah, everyone's so, pointing fingers at you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But if you stayed ahead of time, like I can't work this way. Yeah. And they're like, well, we'll figure it out. Exactly. Because then it's like something can give. Like either you find a new location or maybe there is more money somewhere or just whatever whatever is needed for the good of the project, as long as it's properly communicated. I've noticed mostly producers are willing to work with you and figure out where you can, you know. Yeah, I think there's certain like key buttons with producers. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like it's not going to look good. You know, kind of stops everything because yeah. you want it to look good, you mm -hmm. know, bottom line. And if it's something where um, no one's speaking up, then you're kind of like, what the fuck do I do? Yeah. You know, who do I talk to? And, I, and it's, um, it's been great working with you and, you know, your team because you're all straight shooters. Yeah. You know, you're, yeah. you're, not, you're not shy. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I mean, at first I used to be very timid, like when I started off, and then I realized... Oh, you want to make people happy? Yeah, and say people yes. pleaser. You people know, pleaser. you want to be a people pleaser. It's like what you think that's what people want is like a yes girl, but then you realize like, no, I need to make sure that this is being properly executed. That's my job. Like, I'm hired to do that, not to say yes to everything. You yeah, because, yeah. uh, you know, the second it sucks... And you're like, well, that's what you wanted. It's never a good enough answer yeah. because it's still, you know, yeah. 
sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you, yeah, you don't want it to suck. That's ultimately all of our goals. We're like, please just don't suck. Please we want this to not, not suck. <laughs> yeah. Let's not make this terrible. <laughs> yeah, but that's like, filmmaking is a learning experience for, I think, everybody. I don't think you ever stop learning from it. You, know? you never stop learning, and you're really reliant on, you know, a crew. Yeah. You know, like, I think, I don't think you could do your job effectively without the gaffer or the lighting technician or the DP doing their jobs. Oh, and, 100%. You know, I think yeah. it all is orchestrated together. Yeah. And we've been really fortunate because uh, with my company, Cinemand, uh, you know, we've made films together since 2015, 2016, and kind of built up the crew that we, it's kind of our, our go-to unit. And, you know, pending schedules and people's availability doesn't always work out. But, yeah. like... You know, when we did the film Funny Story, it all lined up when we got, like, all of our favorite people, you know, together yeah. to make this movie. It yeah. was so special. It was perfect crew. It but you could really crew. feel that, that yeah. we all communicated really well and were able to just achieve something really great. Yeah. And it felt so easy. Yeah. No, it did. It felt, like, effortless on the aspect of everyone just got along so well. And all I felt like most needs were met on all levels like you know what's cool about Cinnamon 2 I think that not Cinnamon 2 like it's a movie it's just Cinnamon <laughs> as well <laughs> Cinnamon 2 <laughs> I'm for the prequel yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what's cool about Cinnamon is that I think because I've noticed this with other departments as well is that like for art Carly and Carly and I both work together really well but if one of us isn't available the other one can work you know and like and, and you know that because you can rely on the crews. Just like with the, like, the DPs, you can rely on their crews, you know? Like, they're all connected. Yeah. I mean, and they're we, all friends. Yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, I don't think it's ever been coined, but, like, it's like Cinnamon University, where, yeah, you know, we've yeah. had, like, someone who, like, Carly is a great example. Like, we worked with Alec Contestable, who is really blowing up as a production designer right now. Yeah. We did a, a Jimmy Tatro uh, short in, uh, in 2015, and Carly, who is, uh, you know, came in to help out Alex. She was a. She was an art PA. She on was. That shoot. She was an yeah. art PA on the shoots. Uh, uh, she was in school. I think it was like maybe her first year of school or yeah. second. Um, and the next project, Alec wasn't available, but we all really liked Carly. We're like, hey, Carly, you want to production design this other Jimmy Tatro shoot we have? And then you know, three or four more, she became like our go-to production designer, and then. All of a sudden, Internet Famous came up, and um, this 19-year-old girl became the production designer for a studio movie. And I, and I think one of the things that um, enabled her to do that, outside of being massively talented, was just she felt really comfortable with the crew in general. Yeah. She, she trusted uh, the filmmakers involved, she trusted the crew involved, and, you know, gave her, like, this, like, support board to really do something much bigger than what she probably ever imagined accomplishing that year. And then at the end of that, we were like, you know, you don't have to go back to school, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we got another thing coming up. We, you know, now it's like, uh, I can't get a hold of Carly. Yeah, yeah. And so we kind of keep, you know, like we kind of count on um, the network of people and word of mouth from, you know, the crew to keep, like, and that's not how it always works, you know, and I think that's cool. That's something that's very, like, unique to Cinnamon, I've noticed, is that it is a really comfortable environment where everyone does rely on each other and knows each other, so that's, like, 
it just feels like family more so than a lot of other companies are and I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean that I mean I you know I I think a big nod to Jana because she's, yeah. she has a great network of Chapman uh, alumni that she works with and uh, we always joke that we're a, a hugging screw because we, you know, there's, we just are so, um, we value that, that family spirit yeah. so much. Yeah, and Jana's like a mom. Like she's a like sweet a mom. young mom, yeah. <laughs> she takes the most care of everyone. She's yeah. All, yeah, she's always thinking about how yeah. to like make everyone's day better, which yeah. is really special. And, it is special. And it's so hard to make movies. I mean, there's so many challenges, so many obstacles, and it's like, if you have all this pressure on you alone to pull us off, it's a lonely feeling, and so... You know, we want to share in that that struggle together yeah. and find those answers. And you know, but I do think some of the challenges within that is time and money. Oh, it's always time and money. It's, always... it's the triangle. If you don't have enough time, you need more money. If you don't have enough money, you need more time. Yeah, and then there's another fast, one. Cheap. I don't remember what the other part of the I triangle. Think it's good. Is. What is the other part of the triangle? It's good, it's fast, money. cheap. Good, fast, cheap? Oh, yeah. 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 Quality. Oh, it's quality, quality. time, and money. It's probably yeah. a better way to say good, fast, cheap. Good, quality, fast, cheap. Quality, time, time and money. Well, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. But that, that's right. There's no way to have all three. Yeah. Unless you work with Sage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hire me. I'll give you a perfect triangle yeah. of time and money. Yeah. I reinvented the triangle. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I think there's no, there's no possible way to have good, fast, and cheap. But, you know, with a really strong line of communication, you kind of know you're up against, and you work together to kind of creatively um, solve these issues. And yeah. I think that's usually the best answer, and is hopefully of a director who's malleable to, like, understanding your limitations and not yes. holding them against you. Yes. Which I'm sure you probably had that situation. I've had both. I've had ones who are not malleable and rigid on their opinions, and that's great, but it's not <laughs> going to work if you don't have the, you know, time or money. Yeah. Uh, but I think for the most part, I've been lucky. I've been really lucky because I've worked with mostly all really good people um, who are very, very good at bending to the... They know their limitations as well as mine. Um, and so not a lot of conflict has come up, really. A couple cases, but generally speaking, not a lot of conflict. I've been really good. Um, a, big, a big part of uh, the art department are, is uh, having relationships with vendors. Oh, yeah. I know that's something that, you know, you've worked really hard to, like, establish those, like, studio relationships or vendor relationships. And, yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. and I feel like after a while, when you have these relationships, you know, like, what each vendor has or what they don't have. I mean, that's a pretty big tool, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. to really know, like, where you can source things. Yeah, it's that's that's part of the learning curve is when you first start, you kind of just like, where do I go for this stuff, you know? Like, very specific stuff, because our department is very specific. Yeah, very. Like, camera is <laughs> like, they know where to get their camera, they know where to get their lights, it's all in the same, like, field, you know? But with art, it's sometimes... I remember this one time Carly and I had to get a dead pig for a shoe. And we were like, where do we get a dead pig? My God. That was crazy. We found it, though. We found it in downtown. But it is a... And now I know where to get a dead pig. So that's what I'm saying. I know yeah. the vendor now. So for future, so you kind of learn. So then when it does come up again, of, well, where you got a you guy. This? It's like, I got a guy for that. Yeah. I got a guy for this. I got a guy for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. But the, the main prop houses are, um, are, the, are the key... Shopping sources are the prop houses that are, generally speaking, mostly in like Burbank. Um, 
you know, the bigger ones like Warner Brothers and Universal, and then there's a bunch of smaller ones that are a little more like oriented, like Modernica's all mid-century furniture, you know, there's, they're all over the place, but knowing them and having good relationships with the people who work there is key, because they will help you out if you are someone that they like and you're their friend, they'll, they will help you out, because they're also in film and they also want the best quality work to, for everyone, you know, they do care. Absolutely, and I think, uh, I think if you're interested in having like a long-term career doing this, it's, you know, uh, so crucial to have a, a long-term relationship with vendors mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you can trust, they trust you, and I mean, that's such an advantage Yeah. Uh, when you don't have a lot of money, you don't have a lot of time, but you know exactly where you're going to go and then, you know. Yeah, and just, yeah, it's, and also people are so... People are so willing to do things for you if you have a good friendship because they know that you will always treat them right, so they want to help you out. And that is, yeah, and I think that that's, if you want to go into art department, well, bless you if you want to go into art department, <laughs> but if you do, like, I would say the best advice is, like, be nice to your prop house vendors, be nice to your carps, be nice to the studios you work with because those people are the people who could, like, make or break your career in the end, so... Yeah. Yeah, they definitely could make or yeah. break your career. Yeah. Like, you don't want to ever be banned from a prop house. That is, like, suicide, social suicide in the art world. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you're never allowed in this prop house again. Hearing those words, that would be awful. Yeah. yeah. I think your next search should be, like, accounting jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Selling life insurance. Who the hell knows? Yeah. But yeah, you're, like, a goner if you can't. Or you're, you know, um, you're going to have a really difficult time. Yes. It's going to be harder for you because, you know... Once again, communication thing, I've made mistakes in the past at prop houses, and, you know, there's insurance for that, it's called L&D, mm -hmm. loss and damages, but everyone makes little mistakes, but the worst thing you could possibly do is try to, like, lie about that mistake to a prop house or pretend it didn't happen. The best thing to do is just be honest with them, because they're people, and if you communicate with them, they're going to... And, and, yeah. and, and I may be wrong in saying this, but it seems like they've probably seen it, like, a thousand times. Oh, yeah! Yeah, like yeah. ten times that day. Oh yeah, totally. Of like that same lie. Yeah. And so they're like, they probably have a protocol. They see already. right through you if they you try right to lie to them. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. they know. I mean, it's their job to know. They they see stuff go in and out of their prop house all day, and some of it is really old, expensive furniture. So they do. They want their, they want their stuff to stay, you know, t taken care of. But at the same time, if a mistake happens, like they are. They know it's gonna. It's bound to happen. So you just tell them. You just tell them. You just tell them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because it seems like a no-brainer, but I can't tell you how many times like I've heard people be like, "Well, maybe we should. We could try to like wood glue this chair together." I'm like, "It is broken in five places. I don't know how you're gonna wood glue it together, but it's not gonna work." <laughs> oh God, I'm getting stressed out just here. <laughs> LMD. I'm like, let's not talk about LMD. Yeah, yeah, because that's almost the biggest fear is like something breaking and then going over your budget and then yeah. how that takes away from something else and yeah. you just hope that it all works out. But but more than likely, it's not going to work out. You have to have a contingency plan for yes. covering yeah. those costs. Yeah, the so, contingency. It's, yeah. It, that's what it's there for. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I don't think a, an art department can be uh, held accountable because it's like, you know, you're going in, you're setting things up, you're painting things, you're constructing things. Yeah. You're going to have some damage. Yeah. And yeah, totally. To anyone who thinks, oh, there's, 
there's no damage. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and you know, the, I feel like that's why you want to work with good art department. Other, like, for me personally, I only hire people I trust. Um, and because I want to know that they're going to be trying to take the best care possible while still being safe and still, you know, but, and, but just like that they're being mindful of the space we're in and that they're trying their hardest to not occur any damages, you know? Which, <laughs> right. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about like uh, how you structure like an art team. Okay, well, it depends a lot on the job because uh, it depends on, it's like, it depends on the labor budget, really, how many people you can bring on. Because, um, for example, the last feature I did uh, was like a, Two point five three billion or three million. Three billion. Small three billion. Uh, yeah, three billion dollars. <laughs> was a passion project for Jeff Bezos. <laughs> no, three million dollars, and so and it was it was a union feature. So on that, I was able to bring. I had a whole crew. So and it wasn't just. I was hired on as the set decorator to begin with, and then later when we continued the shoot, I was promoted to designer. So. As a designer, you pretty much bring on an art director and a set decorator and a prop master, and those are your keys. So just like a producer has keys, like a DP, a producer, or a, a DP, a production designer, and a director, production designers have keys. They have art directors, they have set decorators, and prop masters, which are all technically different departments. Right. Yeah. And then so you hire the keys on who you trust, and then they hire on their crew. Right, because yeah. technically speaking, they're all department heads. Yes, yeah. But, but in some, is it an informal or is it the actual way that they all answer to the production designer? Or Generally speaking, yeah. So it would go like the totem pole would be like, uh, there, there's like an umbrella of production designer, and then underneath that umbrella there's art department, set decoration, and property. And th so the three, the art director, the prop master, and the set decorator are the keys in charge of each of those departments, but they all fall under the umbrella of the production designer who is in charge of them, pretty much. Right, because they all have their speaking. own. They all have their own sort of budget to work with. Yeah. Within yeah. those departments, but they all um, kind of like point towards the top of the yeah. pole to creatively be on the same page. Yeah, like on a job like that, you would come up with references with a you know a designer would come up with a look with the DP and the director and the producers, and then that look would be executed by other people in art department working hand-in-hand hand with the production designer to make sure it's all staying in line with the same look. Gotcha. And so are there, like, is there software that, um, that people use uh, to really develop, design looks and, like, kind of a yeah. schematic of, like, what they want to achieve outside the lookbook that... Like, yeah. Is there, like, internal stuff that mm -hmm. art uses? Yeah, well, there's Google SketchUp is what I use. Um, what do you, you draft rooms. There's another one that... The name is slipping me because I don't use it, and it's it's called, like, Arid or something. Um, mm -hmm. But it's a different program, but it's also widely used to create sets. It's, like, it that's, like, where you could... The, I love that part of it. It's, like, the architecture part of it. It's, like, when you're building a set, you build it in this program so uh -huh. everyone sees what it's going to look like. Yeah. So it's, like, a 3D sort of, like, a... Uh, model. Model. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. I love... That's what... That falls under a set designer's job. If you're if we're going by union standards, a set designer does that. Um, but on you know anything smaller, uh, a production designer or an art director would usually do the those. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that's uh, you know a a benefit of a really good production designer is to know the 
size of their team or what they're capable of doing mm -hmm. on a smaller mm -hmm. budget or a bigger budget. And, you know, even if it's a smaller budget where, you know, they technically could wear 19 hats. Yeah. <laughs> they know they won't be able to effectively do their job. Yes. Wearing yeah. all 19. And so uh, speaking up and saying, you know, I can probably cover props. I can help with set dressing, but, yeah. you know, I can't do the shopping or yeah. I can't, you know, yeah. I, I can't do the construction also. And so, knowing your limitations. Yeah, you have to know your limitations. Yeah. 100%. And, and you learn those, too, as you go. And, um, like, I'll do some jobs still to this day where it'll just be me and one other person. I'll hire them on to either, like, art direct for me or set decorate for me. But it's much smaller scale things that I know we can handle with two people, you know? Right. It, so, it's just about gauging what the project actually demands physically. Because uh, it's even as simple as just thinking... I've pointed this out to people who will try to be like, oh, well... You can only have this many people on your team and or it's just going to be you. I'm like, okay, well, we need to move a couch. So how am I going to move a couch on my own? Yeah. You know, even as simple as just that one little thing. How am I going to do that on my own? And then they right, think, and then like, you can't do that on your own. And, right? and yeah, because, and yeah. you know, I think, you know, anyone hiring you would be like, well, we'll have some PAs there. We'll have some, you know, I'll, I'll help. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But then they don't realize how busy everyone gets on set. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Shit like, goes down on people set. People are running around doing so many different things on set. And when you're sitting there and people are like, well, where's this? And I'm like, well, it's just me. Like, I need someone else to help me here. Do you ever find that with like people just assuming that like the intern or PAs, like, um, we're not going to give you an RPA, but we'll throw an intern at you, or, yeah. you know, the value of a dedicated RPA, I think, is what I'm leaning at, you know, yeah. like, dedicated positions, um, in art are so, I'm, key. I'm sure, key. Yeah, well, Instead also, of, like, just agreeing, mm -hmm. like, oh, the PA can help, because normally the PA is to lock down. Yeah, or, and also on top of that, it's just generally not knowing the department, like, the ins and outs of the department, like, there, it's just like any other department, like, I know that there's no camera involved like you know like you want your whole camera team to know how to operate a camera well you want your art department to know how to do simple things like a command strip or location tape or but that's the yeah. that's the trick is yeah. like with you're like oh i can't have a pa just working camera because that's a very technical like highly yeah. trained position but so is art so like, with art just in a way that you just don't think because it seems like everyday things but it's not it's right like, it's not just construction yeah. paper and scissors it's, exactly you know, yeah it's a certain type of construction yeah paper, yeah type of like these yeah. are great for moving furniture like 100 percent yeah. come help me move my furniture but at the same time if i tell a pa to go uh pull something off the wall and say like be careful as a command strip like they might not know what that means and just yank it and that's when you get damages because they're not thinking like I need to properly. That's take when, off, and know? that's when you know, a homeowner will see that nick of paint off and yeah. be like, "I'm gonna need to have this whole house inside and out." <laughs> we, we've had similar. You and I have gone through similar we've things. We've gone through that. that. Yeah, whenever things pulled <laughs> off the wall, I'm like, "Please, let's have the production designer only do this." Yeah, <laughs> let's have the president of the United States <laughs> only do let's this. Why Donald Trump? No, Donald Trump would not be able to handle what I can handle. <laughs> no, he's not responsible enough. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's you can't really count on how a PA to come in and do the job of an yeah. RPA. Yeah, and sometimes you can. Like, sometimes you'll be like, whoa, that PA really understands art department. And then you are like, 
let's start making you an art PA. And then they started going into being an art PA. And that's kind of how, I think that's how PA start branching off into different that's, departments. That's my proud yeah. papa moment. I love seeing PAs find, like, either, you know, jumping and helping out in art or with the AD department really helping out the second, second mm -hmm. or second AD and kind of jumping in that department or... You know, just kind of finding something where they want to spend their time. Yeah. And I, I really encourage that because I think, you know, that's a great opportunity for them to, to climb the ladder in production. Totally. That's, yeah, I didn't go that method. I didn't really RPA my, or PA. I actually don't think I ever production assisted, but I have RPA like a handful of times. But I, I heard that going that method of starting off as a PA and like branching out to different departments is like really beneficial because you learn from the ground up like all aspects of Absolutely. Every, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. So how did you get your start? What's the... I, I know you as because I think we did a Shane Dawson horror short. Yeah. Where he yeah. showed up as the art director and I was like, oh, she's always been an art director. Well, no, it's funny because the only... That's like I'm like thinking back. I'm like the only time I ever art PA'd was one was one time on a Shane Dawson shoot. On Does that think it gets worse? It gets worse, yeah. Oh, so you were like the RPA slash no, on, number on, two to Carly. No, not on it. On it get, no, not it gets worse. On What's the one that was like Gigi Gorgeous was on it? Oh, oh right. That's right. It was the, uh, prom, not prom, it was High School Musical 2. High School Musical or 2. High School Musical, I think. It was High School Musical, yeah, or yeah. whatever. That, one, that was like the first time I ever RPA'd. But, ah. so simultaneous to that, though, so then I started, that's how I started with you guys, was that shoot, and then I started just pretty much art directing right off the bat from there for Cinnamon, and then also, though, I had, I started a lot at Funny or Die, which is like a, have you sure, heard yeah. of Funny or Die? Yeah, I've heard of Funny or Die. So I, that's like where I kind of started making more like that's how I got all my union hours was because I started at Funny or Die which is a very like small little online media stuff but but it really helped me branch out and network with a bunch of different people including other art department people and it's really cool because it kind of does work like word of mouth like where you meet someone else in the art department and they start hiring you to art direct or set decorate for them and then ultimately, like, that's how I ended up getting on, like, my first union feature was because the set decorator who I had met at Funny or Die wasn't available, so she gave me the job. And, you know, so... I see, so that was your kickoff. To yeah. So, well, yeah, so it's like, that's how... But the kind of just, like, it kind of just starts that way where you just walk in and you say, like, I'm going to do the smallest job, and it doesn't matter, like, pay, really, sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're getting paid. You're getting the credit and you're getting the days. Yeah. Towards your union days. And, and, and it's the currency. Carly always used to say, when I first met her, she would say, it's a currency. That financial currency is not the only currency. Which is true. Because yeah. you have creative currency. So if you're doing jobs as just a production designer, even if you're not getting paid for it, you're having creative work that you can then say, I production designed this, you know? Yeah. And then you can use that on your website. So that's how you kind of get the loophole of not necessarily always working under people. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I mean, I think there's always like, you know, I think no matter how big or small you get, there's like the creative currency never really goes away. Yeah. It never becomes all about the money. I mean, I think you're, and I'm speaking for myself. Like, yeah. If I get a really good job, I'd love to like help out on it or be part of it. Yeah, you know? totally. I will still work really low 
paid projects to this day. If I think it's a cool project, I want to do it and I want to be involved in it. So yeah, I, given your schedule. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll do like like mainly if it's something where it's like the proof of concept is really low budget, but I know that it has the potential to blossom into something bigger. Because mm-hmm. uh, really, that could change your career. I mean, if you yeah. do some low budget thing that yeah. becomes like this winning hit at Sundance. Yeah. Then totally. That, that no money job becomes this like huge credit for you. Yeah. Like, you're known for that. Yeah, and know? if it looks good and it's something that you're like really passionate about, like for me the money aspect is like I just want to make living wages. I just want to pay my bills and like live, you know. Yeah. But I don't. I didn't go into art to make money. I went into art because I love art, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You have a a vision that you wanna, you know. Yeah. Like, filmmaking is a passion people go into. I, yeah, I don't think of, a lot of people go into it being like, I'm going to make so much money doing this. I'm going to be rich. Based on my productions out of research, you can go from 4000 a year to 400000 Can you? By just getting on the right Steven Spielberg project. Yes. Yeah. No, I think that's, uh, that's true. I mean, it's true for what I do, too. I mean, don't tell my wife, but... You know, I, I think you don't really do it for money. You know, yeah. you got to make a living wage. Yeah. But really, it's like you do a great job, and it looks great, and people enjoy it. I think that, to, to me, is is the win. That's yeah. the win. Yeah. Honestly, we're also blessed to be able to work in the industry of filmmaking, because our job is making art. Do you know how cool that is? It's, it's like, it's cool just on that level, yeah. but then making art with other awesome people... Yes. Yeah. Is like the zenith. You it's, know, it's everything. Like, it's everything. It's amazing. And so when yeah. you have this great team that does it together, it's like you figured out life. You yeah. Know, you just have the best time. Yeah. yeah. And it's like it's like second life. Like the video game <laughs> second life. It is though. It's like second life. It's like you have ups and downs in filmmaking, but it becomes this world where it's like so worth it because it beats the alternative of right. doing anything else because this is what you want to do and you're lucky enough to... Live in a state where you're in the capital of filmmaking, you know? And then in that state, you're able to, like, find other people who love doing it, too, and you're all doing it together. It's pretty amazing. I would say that, too. Like, yeah. you know, half of the business is essentially networking. Yeah. And really knowing people. Um, and it, it seems like that's really um, crucial for, you know, uh, working within the art department, knowing, you know, maybe this production design, or maybe this, like, you know, set decorator is not so good for this project, but would be incredible for this project. Yeah, and really definitely. Kind of feeling out like who works for what and having that network of artists. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, totally. People are good for different things. I definitely have people who I would prefer to work with on something that's a little bit more like uh, fine tuned and commercial mm-hmm. because that's more their style. And then I have people I like to work with on things that are a little bit more messy and lived in. And yeah, there's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, is there a project that you're hoping to do this year, or, or something that's uh, you know like a, an aspirational project? Is there anything that like you're into that like mm-hmm. you know uh, that would be like the coolest thing ever to production design? Are we talking like realistic? Not realistic or, like, at all. Just goals. Like just, what would be great? Yeah, when you lay in bed at night, you're like, God, can you imagine? making this like, yeah honestly yeah. I wanted to cry that the movie Us was not something that I got to design because <laughs> that movie was so beautifully designed yeah I loved it I thought it was so perfect and um so yeah it's like I would love to do something like Us or because I love I love designing horror and I love like when it's 
something that's standalone, like the movie It Follows, which is, uh-huh. you remember It Follows? Yeah. Something in the vein of, like, It Follows or Us or even Get Out. But kind of finding horror in everyday life. Yeah, but also having this, like, weird, ambiguous look to it. That's kind of feels like, I feel like it's never been done before. Like, the movie It Follows, when I watched it, I was like, this look is so weird. It was, like, ambiguous in the time that it was set. You never knew if it was the present or the future. There was a random, like, pink shell phone. But then they had, like, old TVs on top of other old TVs, and it was just weird. And I just thought it was really cool and it's like this own universe that it exists in, kind of also like the movie Us, where it's like this beach house, but it's just done in a way that isn't even inherently scary, but yet scares you. And I think that's really cool. So is it kind of like having like uh, a full reign of doing kind of just like, like throw time period out the window? Yeah. 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 And, and just kind yeah. of creating this whole new Like creating existence. just something that's like a little bit slightly off and makes you feel like icky. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's how I feel about it, you know, where it's like... Not your classic horror look, but it's enough to really let the... St- for one, I think it allows the story to be told where you're focused on the characters and what's happening and you're less focused on the environment, but at the same time, it's like making you feel uneasy because you don't know what time it is and you don't know if it's set in the 60s or if it's set now, and yeah. Oh, that's a really yeah, yeah. It's a cool added element to mm-hmm. horror. That's yeah. awesome. Um, I didn't even think about that, but that's really cool. Oh, and another one is Assassination Nation. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I haven't seen it's it. It's kind of a gory... I wouldn't. I don't know if it would classify as horror, but it's like a gory Genre. kind of millennial film, but it's really cool, and the design of it is just so... It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. So something like that. Uh-huh. If that came up. Yeah. So yeah, hire me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, uh, to me, what's most exciting about horror also. It's like... Just the, the uh, opportunity to do something that's never been done before. To scare an audience the way they've never been scared before. Yeah, right? yeah. Introduce them to a world that they've never seen, that they're, that they're like, forced to walk into. Totally. Like, yeah. Eli Ross says that um, the feeling you get when you remember a horror film, like a moment in a horror film, is so close to the feeling you feel when you remember a nightmare. Like, that feeling in your stomach. Yeah. And not, I honestly don't think a lot of films leave that impression on your physical being the way a nightmare does and the way a horror like a moment in a horror film that really like hits you in like a dark spot where you're like oh god you know like <laughs> that feeling is really unique and i think that's what's cool about it yeah, yeah. absolutely i i uh, my the film children of the corn i don't even saw mm, that but yeah. i watched it growing <laughs> up yeah until this day when i see a cornfield yeah. <laughs> that feeling just comes into my stomach and I'm like, oh my god. I cried when I saw that movie. I don't I honestly think I cried when I just saw the cover of that movie at like the yeah. video store. It's the scariest yeah. movie of all times. Kids yeah. killing people. It's just oh god, yeah. scary shit. <laughs> totally. I grew up on all the scary I just so you're, scary you, stuff. Um, yeah, so yeah. you're just another horror of that too. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely, I don't know why, but I've always just, like, gravitated towards it. I just, like, <laughs> sick demented things, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. I, I'm the same way. Like, the, se- the second, like, my kids, you know, my wife goes to bed, I'm like, yes. Yeah. Time to put on some awesome horror. Oh, no, show your kids. Raise them on You it. know what? I sh- them like us. <laughs> <laughs> I sh- you know, my, uh, my oldest one, I showed her a quiet play for the first time. She felt, felt uh-huh. like that was, like, kind of a good testing ground to, like, it's not that scary, but it's kind of has a scary feel to it. Yeah. And I've yeah. never seen her so focused on a movie before. Wow. That was really cool. That is cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's got the, the horror the gene. Bug. The bug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, yeah, I, you know, I, do you feel like 
uh, not, you know, when you aren't making horror, it's like kind of a less than, or it's just a different monster that you're trying to... Oh, no, I like, I mean, I like other genres. I like narrative, anything that's like messy feeling, if yeah. that makes sense. That's my preferred. I like things like if it's like, if it's going to be a, any sort of drama or comedy, as long as the look of it is something that's like just unique and a little bit dirty and lived in, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Like, I like trailer aesthetics and motel aesthetics and that kind of stuff, but yeah. But nothing is less than... Nothing is less than, it's just that horror holds a special place in my heart because I feel like it's just a really good opportunity for design. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great opportunity for design. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, uh, a lot of times you're world building. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and th- I think that's the whole, like, uh, thing about genre stuff is, like, it's an escape from, you know, you're really interesting into not only, like, a dystopian world, but it's, like... Scary as fuck. Yeah. In world. Yeah. It's yeah. like suspending suspending disbelief, but for a reason that you wouldn't think people would want to suspend their disbelief. <laughs> like to be scared. Like that's what people watch a scary movie to be scared. That's right. funny. That's concept. why they picked the ticket. Yeah. yeah, they paved the ticket just to have a nightmare. To have a nightmare, a yeah. living nightmare. I love that. Like I love escape rooms, which are kind of like real life sets. Have totally. you ever done one? I've yeah. never done one. And they're like I'm real life sets. One. And that's cool because it's you go there to be scared and it's all about the environment you're in. You yeah. Know? And that's kind of production design in a nutshell. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean there's definitely definitely like different formats, like, you know, like universal Halloween Halloween horror nights, you know, like set decorating that is, you know. Yeah. Would be a really fun. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just doing like installations. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, that's you know. Do you ever kind of expand into that, or is that are you kind of more just? Well, I recently did a on TV. I recently did a photo booth for Crip TV, and it so it wasn't it had nothing to do with film really. It was just like a photo booth that they brought to like different cons, like, to, like, scare, oh, like, gotcha. scare so like, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, different conventions. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and it was really cool. The theme, so they were just like, well, we want to do, it was for a Murdero, I think is the character, uh-huh. and they wanted to do, like, a, just, like, a plate with a monster's head, or a human head, like, you poke your head through. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. That was a great concept. Wait, you saw that? I saw an image on Instagram. Of yeah, my, I designed that. Hell yeah. yeah. And it was, yeah. like, my whole, my whole vibe was, uh, it was like House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, and then also like Texas Chainsaw, but mixed with Salvador Dali. Like, so it had like oh, really like rich, elaborate. Yeah, elaborate. Yeah, like yeah, elaborate like. China. And yeah, China. and we did like different desserts with like pineapples and cherries on it, but then like splashed blood all over it. And then like I had to hand paint all those limbs with acrylic paint because like I was a tight budget, so I had to order these like cheap, horrible limbs and then like paint them to look like they were actually dead. It was great. But yeah, doing stuff like that is fun too. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I like that stuff. Very cool. Well, it looks like we're getting close to running out of time. I'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up before we go into OT. <laughs> time is money. Time is money, people. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. such a blessing to always get to work with you and be friends with you. Yeah, and, it's the best. I love being friends with you. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> when you find these great people and you have in your life, stick with them. Yeah, <laughs> stick know? with them. And it's been Why fun. We've kind of grown together. We've done some crazy shit. And yeah. We've gotten bigger with our productions. And it's, yeah. But it's but I think that that root of communication is never really kind of like, you know, that's the key. It's the key. Yeah. Yeah. This is a life advice podcast, actually. It's like, <laughs> yeah. just be really good at talking to everyone. Listen yeah. to others. <laughs> Listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be heard. <laughs> 
Alright, well thank you guys again. This has been another episode of Tales from the Crew. We'll see you next time.